Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Alrighty, we are now in the final furlong of this three-part series, Losing Body Fat for Good. In part one, we spoke about some naivety, misdirection and addiction that's leading to this crisis and obesity epidemic we have in Western society. In part two, we spoke about some practical principles and knowledge that you need to take control of your body fat for good. And now in this part, part three, we give you our top 10 practical tips and insights that really help you tactically deploy the knowledge you acquired in part two. This should be easily deployed. It should be practical in its application within your life over the coming days and weeks. And we would love to hear your feedback and any comments you may have. In addition to the podcast series, we've got this in written form as a kind of takeaway and a reminder. And you can find that at adaptnation.io under the articles section. We hope you enjoy. Adaptation. Right, let's get into the final piece, which is about, I don't know, how can I put it? It's really about the tactics and some top tips, 10 top tips that we've got that help take the, the knowledge that we've just provided around the macros, uh, around calories, around the foodstuffs that you should think about. Now let's give you some tactical tools and insights to be able to deploy that most effectively. Mm -hmm. So we have 10, and then we have a bonus two just for the ladies. Uh, which I'm sure you'll like. Um, the first one for me, and this this is all coming from personal experience uh, and anecdote from people that we've worked with. Yeah. The key one for me, when I have to restrict my calories, is to intermittent fast. And what is intermittent fasting? All all it really means is you 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 miss a meal, in 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 the grand scheme of things, right? So. For me specifically, I'll have my last meal at seven o'clock at night. The next time I eat will probably be one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So it means I just missed breakfast. Yeah. Now, what that does, um, for me, it means I, I'm probably going to just skip 800 calories or so, just like that. And that's, my, that's the deficit I need to hit. So that's perfect for me. Mm. Um, and for many others, I'm sure it'll be very similar. But beyond it being a, a way of reducing calories because you have one less meal, it preserves the tastiness and the volume at the back end of the day if your most enjoyable and um, satisfying meal is your dinner, yeah. which for a lot of people it is. Yeah, I think intermittent fasting is one of the easiest ways to fast. And I think it's you don't have to fast for too long so it's not too gruelling. And it's just a simple, easy way of lowering your calories for you, it works perfectly, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah, because I don't need... I don't, I'm not a grazer. I don't yeah. necessarily need to eat five to six times a day. Um, for those who have got into the habit of doing that, this could be a little trickier. And for those that um, have a strong commitment to their breakfasts already and they have the cereals and the, you know, the wheat-based products, as we spoke about, you're going to find it quite hard to miss that meal. Yeah. But once you get yourself into the one, once you start eliminating the foods that are addictive, and once you trial 
going through breakfast without without eating um it not only gives you this calorie buffer but it gives you this kind of energy feel quite good yeah it's amazing so there's another top tip that we do specifically within intermittent fasting is if i'm gonna if i'm gonna fast i will have a bulletproof coffee and all that is is uh, an espresso shot or some filter coffee blended with some coconut oil and some ghee or grass-fed butter you mix that all together and it's a very creamy quite oily weird textured do you, do coffee you enjoy it? do you enjoy the taste it's not the, the most amazing flavor in the world no but what it does is it it, it doesn't break you out of the fast it yeah. doesn't give you because it doesn't give you the carbs it's only really giving you fats and some caffeine it stimulates you the medium chain fatty acids help drive fuel into your body without really changing the dynamic of you being in a fasted state. Um, it means your brain's firing. I feel like as if I can get more done when I'm on an intermittent fast. Yeah. I feel, um, you know, with, with my belly just being given a break, mm-hmm. I feel just a bit slimmer. I feel a little, a little less um, bloated and, you know, heavy and yeah. held back because you're just giving yourself a break. And then you have a light lunch at one o'clock or so, whatever you fancy. I personally would have a, a chicken salad, maybe a little bit of sweet potato or something like that, just to yeah. get me through. Because you wouldn't want to break a fast with something sugary that's going to spike your blood sugar levels. So it's quite important that you eat something sensible when you break the fast at lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and on top of that, you're trying to manage to a calorie budget. So, yeah. you know, for me personally, after having not eaten all day, I can have a smallish lunch and that's satisfactory as long as I yeah. get some fats in there so I feel like as if it's fulfilling. Yeah. And then I'll hold out until dinner time and then I'll have exactly the same dinner as I have done when I was actually eating to gain weight. It's crazy. It's the same meals, same flavours, same foodstuffs, same enjoyment and anticipation of eating and hey, I even get to have my desserts. Right. So intermittent fasting gets allows me to enjoy the back end of the day when I need food most, when I feel yeah. it's that reward for a hard day's work. Definitely. So just for the listeners, would you train on a day that you're fasting? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I've been intermittent fasting for the last, um, what is it, almost 10 days now. Okay. And it works. Now, what I will do as a little kind of caveat to what I've just said is, if I'm going to train, I'm going to have something small beforehand, but we're not really yeah. talking eating. I'm talking a protein shake and maybe a banana. Now, mm-hmm. that is eating. I am breaking the fast in that regard, but I'm used to having proper breakfast. It's not a meal. Yeah, I'm, such, you know, yeah. eggs and wraps and all sorts of stuff. I'm yeah. just having enough to give myself a little bit of energy so I can get in the gym and still work out just as hard. Yeah. Does that okay, make sense? Great. Yeah, definitely. That's great. So that's uh, number one. Number two, uh, and this is absolutely foundational, is if if we're asking you to understand the calorie demand that your body has, restrict under that number, uh, and then pay some attention to your proteins and fat consumption, you're going to need to know what you're eating. And to do that, you're going to need to track your calories, and you're going to need to measure certain foods. Very important. And I know for people that don't do this, this sounds anal, it sounds over the top, it sounds uncomfortable, it's it yeah. sounds administrative, it sounds like you're going to take the fun out of eating. I sympathise, I get it, 
but get over yourself. <laughs> because no one who doesn't calorie count um, has any intuition. You don't. You may think you know roughly, but you have, will have no idea and you'll never get it right unless you educate yourself, even if you're calorie counting for a few weeks so you can start to appreciate yeah. the portion size and the equation of how many calories come with. You need to go through this period of education. Yeah. It's not a forever thing, is it? With it can be. Tracking. It can be. Some people do. Um, but you can track, like you say, for a few weeks. And just by tracking for a few weeks, you learn about what's in your food, um, where you're getting most of your calories from. So you'll be able to figure out, okay, I'm having... If I need to cut my calories back and I'm struggling to cut my calories back, it's my breakfast where I'm consuming most of my calories. So therefore, that's the meal that I'm going to look at cutting down on. Um, so yeah, it just gives you, it's, it's a tool, isn't it? And it gives you the you can't you, you can't manage what you don't measure exactly right. And whilst some people aren't analytical by nature and aren't data driven, I get that I am, and this works very well not, for me. So yeah, it's interesting. But I know many people who do this, and these apps. There's two apps that I think um, rule the roost: is My Fitness Power, MyNet Diary. Mm. both of which are across both Android and iPhones. These ones we've got experience with, personally. And they're super simple. You know, you they've got a huge catalogue of either user-contributed or um, company-contributed uh, food stats. So yeah. you search for a food stuff, whether it's a whole food or, or a branded food, and you'll find it almost you know, 99% of the time. You can also scan the foods with a bar barcode yeah. scanner that's on the phone. You can do all sorts of stuff. The portion sizes are really straightforward to work out. The apps are super simple. I defy someone to say that it's unusable. It's just, there's just a little bit of inertia because you might have to spend five or 10 minutes doing this yeah. a day. And then once you eat with these, app for, these apps for a week or two, it has, it remembers everything you've eaten and you can select your favorites and then it just becomes easier and easier and easier you get more informed on what you're eating and you can make better decisions you'll be amazed on both sides of the equation you'll be amazed that when you look at my plate of food and you think oh that's too much because the volume's massive yeah you'll be amazed that most of that plate is vegetables and most most of that plate's only contributing 100 calories yeah and then likewise when you go and have that dessert, that it's only a small dessert, or when it's 500 calories, how does that make you feel when you've only got a 1,700 calorie budget? Yeah. And it hasn't filled you up. It's a moment on the lips, right? Yeah. For a sensation that lasts only 20 seconds. So it starts to give you that objective view. So I really would recommend, when it comes to following the principles we've said, you're going to have to track, and then you're going to need to measure. Mm -hmm. So where there's portion sizes or there's a packaged amount of food then you know you've had that full packet or half a packet you don't need to get the weighing scales yeah. out but when you are putting in uh, raw and uh, whole goods you're going to need to measure those like how much potato am I having yeah how how much <clears throat> chicken am I having how much um, broccoli or asparagus or that kind of thing you just quickly whack it on these cheap Flat weighing skills you can get in the kitchen, they're about 10 to 15 pounds, electronic, really simple to use. And it takes all of one extra second yeah. in the preparation of that food just to know the weight of it. Yeah, exactly. When you, what I do is I put the plate on the scales and then you then can reset, reset it. it 
put your food on it. Perfect. See what it is, reset it again, then put the... That's brilliant. So it's, it's just an easy way to... But it's actually... Do you do you do you calorie count every day? Not every day. I I do periods of calorie counting. At okay. the moment, I am, but um, there are periods where I don't calorie count. But then again, I've been doing it for years on and off, so I've got quite a good idea of what's in my food anyway. Um, more when I'm trying to, I, I mean, I know how to hit enough protein now. I know what that looks like, and I can kind of eyeball it. Okay. What I struggle with is getting enough calories in, and I always underestimate how many calories I'm eating so therefore I track my calories just to make sure I am eating enough when I'm trying to put on size. Is your goal specific enough yeah. that you know that if you're too loose you're not going to eat enough calories? Exactly yeah. yeah. Um, if my goals are more performance based then I don't tend to track yeah. as much but yeah when it's more like aesthetic reasons then definitely recommend tracking. And so. I'll, I'll say this just to close on this point um, there's this um this power that you get when you know if I do these things I get this result and tracking gives you exactly that losing weight is very scientific it's all about calories as we've said in the, the previous episode calories in versus calories out when you have that level of specificity that you've got a good gauge of what you're burning and you've got a very accurate gauge of what you're eating now you just do the math and we'll talk about how that math works in a second, but it is it is it is maths at this point. Mm. You just got to play that equation in your favor, yeah. and that's power instead of just guessing and you know restricting yourself and restricting yourself just because you feel you need to. Mm. You know, I'm going to starve myself thin. It doesn't work forever. This way, you can eat probably more than you expect and still lose weight, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, exactly. And you can get somewhat results if you don't track or measure, but you're only going to go back and forwards. It's going to be like taking one step back. Uh, it's sorry, going to be quite random as well, back. right? It's going to be random. And yeah, you, you're not going to know what works and what doesn't. <clears throat> and it's just taking the long route, basically. Um, to, if you want to get from point A to point B as quick as you can, tracking and measuring is definitely the way forward. Right, good. Um, top tip number three is meal timing and frequency. Mm-hmm. So we have... I think this is a worthy debate between the two of us, Bryn. Yeah. I have a bias towards less meals but bigger yeah because i've grown up having big food and if you give me <laughs> if you give me a small plate i just won't be satisfied mm. even if i'm having the same amount of calories or even if i'm overeating that day yeah if you give me a small plate i'm just like where's the rest of it <laughs> it just it, like, it's it, missing. it yeah. just doesn't make any sense and <laughs> Someone used this analogy, which really relates to, uh, resonates with me. You know, as a guy, if you if you, you know, get getting on with it, getting get yeah. on with some business with your with your missus, mm. and you know, she pulls away just before you know the goodness happens, and then you start getting out again, and it happens again, and it happens again. That is the oh, same man. experience <laughs> that I have when I'm eating. Right, you give me a plate of food, and if it's not enough, it's just like I just haven't been able to climax. I haven't been able yeah. to you know, finish and have have a sigh and think, oh, that's done. It just, I feel like there's something missing and then I I have this desire to eat so for the, the rest of the day. The moral of the story is to give Steve enough food that he's not humping everything inside. That's a good <laughs> Yes, you should definitely do uh, that. I came around your house once and you... Um, I was humping everything inside. Was yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> you know, I was watching. Um, you gave me two pieces of salmon and I was like, oh, this is great, I'm not used to this. But because your portions are... 
big portions. I'm yeah. not used to that at all. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought one big piece of salmon and then you put two on there. Oh, one one piece of salmon? Yeah. Well, what's what's going on? Yes. Yeah. It's a kid size, man. (laughs) But the point is not about size, it's about frequency and timing. So I want you to understand that the timing of your meals doesn't make a difference at all Mm. to the calories that you're going to store as fat or otherwise. Nor does whether you have three meals or ten meals a day. Mm -hmm. Have as many meals as what works with you based on your habits and your needs for consuming food and feeling happy yeah and if you're a grazer that's fine you're not benefiting any more so than the person who just wants to eat twice a day yeah as long as you're having the same calories you're going to achieve the same outcome yeah because uh, i see it all the time where people get meal plans and they're like you've got to eat six meals a day but then you're like yeah but what if that doesn't work for that person it's, yeah, so, it's overly demanding yeah. those bodybuilder plans where you eat yeah. six meals a day it's just it means you're constantly eating yeah. every two hours you've got to pull out a Tupperware box and here's my next exactly. meal that's, that's that too much grief and that would work for you because you love big meals you want three big meals and then whatever else around it whereas I like to graze all day so I could probably have six meals but there's a lot of prepping but it's a lot of prep, that, right? yeah six proper meals a day that's, that's a lot of prepping and some people just don't have the time so yeah, there may be the minute sort of uh, benefits to doing that, but leave that to the you know people that are about to step on stage, the bodybuilders and yeah. the athletes right at the top of their game. If you're looking to just drop body fat and just look good in your clothes, I wouldn't worry too much about feeding um, frequency and timing. Do you know what? I, I just kind of um, stirred up a, a thought, a memory, that I've had old, um, older managers through my time probably touching their age now but when I was much younger who um just wouldn't eat during the day yeah like you know they'd be like yeah lunch is for losers and I'd be like what lunch is good I need lunch <laughs> I'm going to have food now and they're just like plowing all the way throughout the day and then I can't, I'm, I'm sure I heard people say that's not healthy for you mm. like if you're not eating breakfast and lunch and you're just like having it in din- at dinner you're just going to store it all as fat because you can't process it all in yeah. one go I'm like, okay, so you've got to eat frequently so your body doesn't want to cling on to it. But I want to tell you guys that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it may make some logical sense, but it doesn't actually work that way. No. Your body yeah. needs X amount of calories to perform in a given day, and if you give it that, it doesn't really matter about the timing. Now, protein timing, there's some benefits, as you say, for bodybuilders if they're constantly yeah. sourcing protein. They're, they're never depleted and therefore they're maximizing protein yeah. synthesis. But as you say, for general weight loss, that timing and frequency piece just doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I, I, the big one I get is we'll eat in carbs before or, or after six or late at night, will that make you put on weight? Um, I can't believe that people still believe that, but a lot of people do. Um, it's just an old myth that's thrown around. But as we said earlier, or in the previous podcast, what really matters is your overall calories. If you're under eating and you eat your your last meal or your or some carbs eight at night, it's not going to make a difference. And you're still yeah. under your calorie thing. Exactly. But what it will do though, if you obviously the later you eat before going to bed, there's a price you're going to pay. Yeah. Exactly. Because your uh, the blood rushes to your your stomach and your GI mm-hmm. in order to break down the foods you've just digested or you are digesting. So there's there's a bit of energy price you pay and there's a bit of a, a sleep disturbance mm. that you have to pay down yeah. when you eat very late 
So if you want to be rested and you want to go to bed calm and not need to wake up for the toilet and not, you know, not just just generally be restless when you yeah. sleep, then eat, you know, you want to eat probably a couple of hours before you go to bed. But that's yeah. got nothing to do with calories and weight loss or gain. That's more around just not feeling uncomfortable when you sleep. And, yeah, and I can vouch for that because I, I when I work late with clients, sometimes I have to eat a meal late at night and when I wake up next morning, I feel, I may sleep okay, but my sleep has been impaired. I may be able to lie to sleep or um, the stress response has been... Yeah, you're um, sharing that energy that otherwise yeah. would come to just recovery. You're sharing it with digest digestion. Exactly. And then what happens? The next day I wake up tired and then I don't feel like training or yeah. my I don't train as hard and therefore I don't burn as much energy and it just has a knock-on effect. So, so that's the only There we go, man. Time and frequency doesn't matter, guys. Um, the next one, point four, is... Um, in regards to diet <laughs> styles. So we spoke about this briefly uh, around kind of branded diets yeah. and how uh, we've been told that we need a branded diet. We need, you know, we need to go on this next new fad diet because it's it's all the rage and people are just eating cabbage and losing, lo- losing loads of weight. We should all go do it. it. Yeah. And it's got a label. But the reality is these diets do work. They work in as much that they're restricting your calories. Yeah. And if you enjoy feeling very restrictive yeah. and having like two f- food types a and day, miserable life, then do it. I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. I'm not judging the decisions you make and the relationship you have with food. I just want you guys to know that whether it's paleo, keto, carb cycling, juice diets, you name it, you don't need to do any of them. One is not better than the other. They can be better or worse for an individual depending on that individual's habits and needs and relationship with food. Mm. So if you find a style of eating that just works for you, that keeps hunger at bay, that helps you get through the day, that is enjoyable, mm. more importantly, something you think you could adhere to, keep doing that. Yeah. Um, but you, I want you to hear, really, there's very little restriction. Yeah. Other than foods that you know are going to take away from you, you know, such as like inf- inflammatory foods, eat what you can, just stick within your budget. Yeah. I, I think uh, the thing with a lot of these named diets is that, yes, they do work to an extent. They, you do lose weight. But the problem is, is that they're all doing the same thing. They're getting you to restrict your calories. And a lot of them get you to um, restrict your calories and they're too low, which means that you're going to pay the price later. And if you're losing weight really quick, that means you're losing a load of water, you're probably losing a load of muscle as well as body fat. That happens pretty quick. So then they yeah. obviously remark, they obviously... Look how amazing this look is. Look how amazing this is. I tell my friends, yeah. look how much weight I've lost in, in a week. They remarket that. But then after that, they, you know, they don't care what happens to you. And usually you go away, you get sick of that diet, and then you start going back to your old habits because you haven't changed your old habits you haven't been educated on a sustainable yeah. way after the crash diet yeah and really what we're trying to offer up in the three episodes here is if you can just make some tweaks to the way in which you uh, yeah. choose foods and then you have the knowledge to manage your calorie intake and and burn then you've got maximum flexibility yeah. you've got complete freedom and you can crash diet the same as maintaining or gaining weight you can 
eat exactly the same foods. You're just mm-hmm. dialing down the volume. Exactly. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, number five, sleep deprivation yes. can cause uh, some troubles with weight management. It's a big one. Yeah. Now, people may not fully grasp that in that first sentence, but let me just break it down at the highest level. They have proven scientifically that uh, any level of sleep impairment has a negative consequence on decision making. Mm. Which generally, is if if you, you you will have noticed, right? Um, they liken you know only having four hours sleep to you know when you get in a car, drink driving. It's mm. your your level of impairment is that significant? Yeah. So your body needs optimally seven to eight hours a day. Anything under seven hours a day, especially if delivered chronically, you know, time in, time out, you're having four or five hours sleep, you're going to really pay the price. Pay the price in terms of decision-making quality, mood, energy, uh, willingness to do hard things. Mm -hmm. That's all relevant. But the piece around weight management is when you are deprived of sleep, your body wants to sleep, Mm -hmm. but you're not allowing it, right? So you wake up in the morning, you've had four or five hours sleep, you're fighting against nature at this point. Your body hasn't recovered, it hasn't rested. So it's it's go-to when it's in that state is yeah. it needs glucose. It needs glucose to continue and to just give it the energy to crack on even though it just wants to rest. Yeah. And therefore, that pull and that yearn and that desire for snacks and sugary foods isn't just, again, a lack of willpower at this moment in time, you've set the circumstances um, from a chemistry perspective such that your body needs more glucose mm. to fuel having low reserves yeah. effectively. And that's basically what's happening. Yeah, if you're, if you're night on night on night not getting enough hours, you're going to be chronically fatigued over time and and then wonder why you keep making bad decisions and you can't resist sugar. Um, quite often, you see this, especially in the, the business world, where, you know, Guys are working, you know, crazy hours and their career is everything, but they're not stopping or resting and then they're wondering why they're making such bad decisions. So it's so important to get enough sleep and make sure that you, you're you not feeling fatigued the next day and wanting that, that energy and that boost. And that's another thing. People go to caffeine, um, drink loads of coffee to keep them going, you know, and that kind of just masks the problem. So we just got to get enough sleep and, and be aware that we may be tired and creating these foods because of that. Well, yeah, as I say, part of it is decision fatigue and it is general uh, bad decision making because you haven't had enough sleep. But uh, what I'm saying is there's a bigger draw here, which is your body needs the glucose yeah. because it hasn't had enough time to rest and recover. Um, and I I know that this is true because I've had a poor relationship with food, uh, sorry, sleep for much of my life. And I had the biggest sugar addiction. Mm. It would it'd be a big part of my life. And I, I, I can point this to my long night shifts I would do. Like, you know, I'm working at something at home and I'm just cracking on. And I'm this kind of like complete finisher guy. Once I get started with something, I have to finish it. And I don't want to go to bed with things undone. So I might work until one or two o'clock in the morning, mm. just cracking on. And I know at the point in which my body wants to sleep and I'm resisting it two things happen one that need for energy i go and get yourself a sugary snack so you can crack Mm -hmm. on steve is strong 
But two, because I'm working and eating, I then pay no attention to what I'm eating. So I go grab this thing, I open the pot of whatever it is, and I'll just take the whole thing down. I won't even realise yeah. that I've just consumed. And a classic go-to for me would be I'd open up my uh, fruit and nut mix, which is relatively healthy, but nuts are very caloric, yeah. and you know those raisins are full of sugar. And I might get through like a whole tub, and that might be might be five hundred grams. Yeah. It might be you know might, might you know seven hundred grams, and I'll just keep going because I'm looking at the screen, I'm plowing away. Yeah. I need the energy. My body's saying, "Give me something here," because you should be going to sleep right now. And that's just before I go to bed. And yeah. then once I wake up, that same lack of quality decisions and the need my body has for glucose is still so strong. Yeah. And you play that through. You look at my body journal. You see the, the kind of um, uh, the shape I was in. Mm. That is a result of exactly what I just said, which was yeah. not enough rest, not enough recovery. And as a result, poor decision-making quality and lots of gorging on sweets exactly. and sugars. And that's not because your body wanted the sugars, because your body needed the sugars. At that time, right? And it just yeah. and then it's a vicious circle. Yeah. The more sugars you want, the more sugars you you need thereafter because of the candida. Mm. Sleep's important. Sleep man. is super important. We have got an article specifically on this on the Adam Nation blog. You can go check that out. Then we have um, number six is just a just a level set here. We have the first week or two of any crash diet where you're going from your normal eating diet to really restricting in some way, shape or form, expect really good things. Yeah. <laughs> expect some good positive reinforcement That's from the weighing scales. Yeah. It is, right? And this isn't you losing fat. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to give you bad news, I'm just trying to give you the reality. Mm. That first week or two you're going to get buoyed and enthusiastic that you're onto the right thing because you might lose three, four or five pounds in that two weeks. You might lose three or four pounds just in that one week. Yeah. Because what's happening here? One, you're eating less, so there's probably less food in your gut. So that's already dropping your weight down. But more importantly, inevitably, everyone who lo- who has to restrict their calories, they'll restrict their carbs because most people overeat on carbs, yeah. right? So they're restricting their carbs. The less carbs you have the less glycogen you have in your muscles and the less water that would otherwise be stored of that glycogen is in your body also. So I think it's for every gram of carbs, there's four grams of water attached within your body. Yeah. So you've lost a bunch of carbs, you're restricting your calories, and all of a sudden you've lost three to four pounds, but it's mostly water weight. It's still weight off the scales, it's still positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. you're heading in the right direction, you've done nothing wrong, you're doing all the right things, I just need you to understand that that's an unsustainable yeah. weight loss that will occur week on, week out, it is going to slow down, yeah. and that honeymoon period is just that, it's yeah. just a level set and a reduction of water weight. Yeah, it's, it's reality, isn't it, in the day, a lot of people think, I want to lose that every single week. And that's not reality, that's not sustainable long-term. So it's just being aware of what's actually happening with your body. Now, some people can, right? So if you watch The Biggest Loser, mm. you know, some these guys, they have weekly weigh-ins, and they might lose like 10, 11 pounds in yeah. a week. Right, so there's a couple of things going on there. They are eating next to nothing, yeah. right? In, in a particularly <laughs> difficult, restrained environment, plus they're moving... Like crazy yeah, they're because they're doing, load, they're they? doing boot camps yeah. and they're just, you know, they're straining them. Again, 
You don't need to be there. You don't need to put yourself through that level of stress. And it's not particularly helpful. That's just extreme, isn't it? It's, it's just, so extreme. Yeah. It's extreme. It's extreme because calorie res- with calorie restriction mm. comes nutrient restriction. And there beca- there's a point in time when too few calories will equal too few nutrients. Right? Mm-hmm. So you get to a low enough level to maintain a significant and dramatic weight loss per week. You're effectively robbing your body of the things it needs just to thrive and be optimal. Yeah. And you do that on a consistent basis. One, it's going to be measurable. Two, your hormones are going to be all over the shop. And three, you're going to start causing potential damage to your body yeah. because you're not giving it the, 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 the nutrients it needs to perform. Yeah, and it just doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to. Yeah. It's, I know it sounds sexy and great to lose five pound a week, mm. but just get over it. It, it. it isn't something that will serve you because anyone I know who's lost a ton of weight very, very quickly, bar maybe one or two people, they, yeah. they put it back on. I, I've, I've worked with guys and we've gone through our own biggest loser competitions <laughs> and we've had like, you know, a two month spat where we're just going to like, you know, competitively try and lose the most weight. And... The guys that won, put it back on. We then done it the second year, they won again. And they put it back on again. And it's like, they're not idiots. They're very intelligent guys. Got a lot of respect for them. Mm-hmm. But they've done what it took to lose the weight. Yeah. And then once they lost the weight, they just let go of the reins and went back to normality. It didn't change anything. And whilst it felt good in the moment to lose the weight in, and, and live for a period of time at a yeah. kind of slighter weight and look a little slimmer, Went back to where they were within yeah. about four months. Exactly. Don't don't go there, guys. Don't get don't get lured into the heavyweight loss per week. Instead, and this is point seven. If you are losing half a pound to two pounds a week after the first week, I'd be really happy with that. Yeah. Do you agree? Definitely. And and so sometimes you might not lose anything, but it doesn't mean you're not um, going in the right direction. But that is a sustainable. Um, goal to aim for definitely yeah and you've said you might not lose weight some weeks and that's so what does that mean that means conditions didn't go your way or um, if you're a woman we'll talk about other reasons why that could happen Um, or you may have been overeating right you may not be tracking properly you may not be measuring accurately uh, you may have overestimated how many calories you burn per day. Yeah. So if you have a week where you flatlined, um, I wouldn't get stressed about it, but I would I would just be reflective yeah. and say, if I am doing everything right, I should be losing some weight every single week. Yeah. If I'm not, maybe I messed up and I was I didn't confess to that. <laughs> or maybe I was a bit too loose with measuring certain foods and they may have amounted to just enough to keep me in yeah. maintenance instead of being a restricted state. Yeah, maybe you get to a point where you, you're lighter now so you don't need as many calories. You just need to readjust your calories. Oh, that's a good point. So Yeah, yeah. so you kind of need to scale it back a little bit because yeah. you've lost a bit. Yeah. So it's just not doing the same thing forever and thinking it's just going to work forever because it just doesn't. Yeah, just, that's, just that's, good, that's a good point, man. So a half a pound to two pounds of um, body fat to be lost a week would be fantastic to sustain. And as we've said before, you want to slot in maintenance weeks every uh, three to four weeks, which means just eating at a level that doesn't change your weight just to give yourself a break. But when you're off of maintenance weeks and you go back to a deficit, should you need to, should you have more weight to lose, 
Half a pence, two pounds is great. Yeah, perfect. Here's a, here's a, here's a nice little fact. Point eight. Um, a pound of fat is approximately three and a half thousand calories. So a pound of body fat yeah. is three and a half thousand calories. So if you want to lose a pound of body fat per week, you need to be under eating three and a half thousand calories compared to how much you're burning. Yeah. Which is great. So if we break it down on a daily basis, that's on average 500 calories fewer than your TDEE. Yeah. And that's doable for a yeah. lot of people. And it might actually be quite aggressive for some. Yeah. People might not want to cut that much. Have to be that quick. Yeah. So you just have to accept if you can't do minus 500 a day off of your TDEE, you're not going to lose a pound a yeah. week. You'll lose something like this, uh, fewer than that. You might only do half a pound a week. Yeah. If you want to amp up to two pounds a week, you need to be down 7,000 calories across the course of the week. Yeah. It's doable, but you just need to do that math. And that's a really easy way of now looking at this objectively and saying, how much weight do you want to lose by when? Okay, I want to get to this weight by this date. That means I've got to lose stone and a half. Stone and a half divided through how many weeks I've got. Okay, I now need to be losing a pound a week or two pounds a week. To do so, I need to have a deficit of three and a half thousand to 7,000 calories yeah. per week. Now manage that yeah. on a daily basis and what's your uncle? You will get there. Yeah. That science works. The maths yeah. works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine. Number um, nine. Eating out. You can be on a diet or a, um, restrict your calories whilst eating out, right? It's, it's a budget that we need to stick to. Um, so by eating out doesn't mean that you have to go over that budget. We just need to stay within that budget but we have to be mindful that when we eat out we tend to eat foods that are rich and higher in calories so we i, I think preparing ahead of time is quite a good thing um for eating out so maybe having a look at the menu beforehand and just seeing what's on the menu and what you can choose do you do that yeah i mean if you i mean I, if i'm um trying to stick within my calories i will look online um on their menu and then I'll have a look and sort of see what they've got on there just so that you're aware and then you're not caught out when you're there and you're like you're anticipating you know, failure you're going yeah. okay I don't want to be in this position where I'm making a spur of the moment decision We've all that been goes there. against me yeah. so let me make the decision up front and then I take some of the pain away that's, it, that's a good strategy yeah because it gives you a little bit of time to go mm, that might be uh, lowering calories and that if I need to restrict my calories because the last thing you want is a way to come up to you when you're least expecting it and you're in the middle of a conversation and he goes, eyeballs are on you yeah and then you go, you're ready to order and everyone goes yes and then you do the panic uh, yeah and then you look down the list and you go oh just have that and then you end mm. up picking the first thing you know or what you normally have which might be a lasagna or something and it's like the most calorific thing on the menu <laughs> so you can so eat I, out I, 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 I have done that before I must yeah. admit I've done it once or twice but now, again, the beauty of tracking, because I, I try and track everything. Now, there'll be some days where it's just it's, there's too many moving parts and I've just got to do that. This day, it's too difficult. Yeah. But for the most part, I'll try and, I'll try and guesstimate. So like when I go out um, for a meal, just to give me that learned experience, I will, after I've had the meal, I'll try and put it on in my net diary. And I've got a good feel for grams and sizes of yeah. now because I've been measuring so I go okay roughly had you know well, I know I had 10 ounces of steak I know I had a, a bit of buttery sauce I know I had roughly 50 grams of broccoli I had you know 100 grams of sweet potato I know I had a, 
I need some mess for des dessert, so that'll be roughly this. And I had, a, I had a Malbec, right? So I'll kind of load that all together. And I've done that enough times to know that roughly for me, when I eat out, it's about 1,600 to 2,000 calories. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot, but it's probably not too dissimilar mm. for everyone else who yeah. may be a lot smaller or bigger or ladies or guys. Like, you go out, you want to enjoy yourself. Mm. The last thing you want to hear from Bryn and I is don't enjoy yourself, don't go out, just, you know, avoid the um, the temptation. Mm. No, don't do that. I'm not saying going out and go out every day and go pizza every day, every day. That would not be productive. Yeah. But when you've got a social event or you want to go spend some time with your partner or it is a birthday or something and it just so happens to fall within one of your diet periods, yeah. go there, embrace it, break bread, enjoy the company. Look, you're either feeding your belly or you're feeding your soul. Yeah. And for me, my connection with food and my appreciation for my family and friends is when I'm with them, I want them to know I'm present and I'm enjoying myself and I'm not holding back so they feel that they can't enjoy being with me. So because I have that strong, strong desire to enjoy the moment, I will not be the guy who's ordering the lettuce leaf and, you know, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the bunless burger and you know, making decisions that just look a little bit odd in comparison to the rest of the table. Yeah. That being said, I will try and not have the the the, the bread that's on the on the table when it comes out. You know, the, you know the start bread. Just little decisions you can. I'll, make, I'll yeah. just not have that, and no one will notice. And when I look at the meals, I'll there's certain foods that I don't like to eat anymore because I've decided I don't like. I, they don't serve me. Mm -hmm. So I'll just scan the menu and go, I'll look for something that I know is going to be tasty and I know I'm going to love. And it might not have been my first choice normally, but it's a really close second. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to go for that sea bass with the, the potatoes and the asparagus versus the big spag bowl that I would have otherwise yeah. done. So I'll just make those small decisions in the moment. But even still, with making those decisions, I have start, main and dessert, I have a drink, I might have a coffee. 1,600 to 2,000 calories is pretty normal. My wife, who's much smaller than me, eats about the same. Mm. Now, she doesn't eat anywhere near what I do at home, but when she's out, she'll have start main and dessert, and it'll be about maybe 1,500 calories. Yeah. So account for, I would say on average, 1,500 to 2,000 calories on a meal where you have maybe one glass of wine and you're having three courses. Yeah. Now, if that's what you've got to account for, then what do you do? If you've got a budget that's higher, sorry, a budget, a calorie budget that's higher than that number for a given day, just hold back the calories for the evening meal. I look at it like having, like, I don't know, you're going on holiday and you've got £100 to spend per day. That's your the, the budget you're allowed to spend. Mm -hmm. And you'll make decisions on what you will buy or not buy or go to or not go to to ensure that you get to the end of the day and you, you've, you've got enough money to get through it. Yeah. And looking at calories like they're in short demand, in short supply even, and you don't get any more, right? So work within the, the money or the budget you have. Now, that works great if you have a calorie TDE budget which is higher than the, that meal. But there will be many, and I'm sure people are screaming at the, the, their, their phone saying, hang on a minute, you know, my calorie budget is 1,400 for me to lose weight. And you're now saying to me when I go for my random meal, 
is 1,500 to 2,000 calories. Well, Steve, I can't do what you're saying. How can I do that? In that instance, that's when you take a slightly longer view. Mm. So I wouldn't say try and fit your dinner into what you have left because you're just not going to enjoy it. Instead, have the meal that makes you happy. But instead, you're now not looking at the day. You might need to think about the day before and the day after, you know, or even the week. Mm-hmm. Look at the period of that week times your cal- daily calorie allowance by those many days, three, four days, or even seven days for the week, and say, I will work my budget, my calorie expenditure within the budget I have available across that time, yeah. as opposed to beating myself up because I went over on that one day. Exactly. And then the strategies that I would say, look, if you're right, if if you can if you have more calories available than you know you're gonna eat, just don't have breakfast. Maybe don't even have lunch. Hold it all back to dinner. Well that's where intermittent fasting comes into play, Perfect. right? Perfect. Next, I, I I tend to fast the next day after eating, because we if we have free course meal, it's usually quite heavy, isn't it? So your body doesn't need it, right? And you exactly. can easily go go and, breakfast. And usually as well, when we eat out, we tend to eat out later than what we normally would at home. Yes. So you usually go and meet people seven, half seven, maybe eight. Yeah, you might then, not finish eating until ten o'clock. Exactly. So yeah. then it might be worth throwing intermittent fast the next morning. So that's exactly. So that that's basically it. Just look at your the calories you're allowed per day as a as a monetary budget, and just spend it wisely. Yeah. But you can spend, you know, you can spend all your money at the at the first day of the month if you wanted to. Yeah. And have no money left for the rest of the month. <laughs> Or you could do it in reverse, or you can average it out per day. The most sustainable way is to average it out per day, but when you know you're going to have a splurge, just manage for it. Don't want to blow but it out one do day. do not, please, do not not go out or decline invitations or do go and, you know, abstain and resist and look like that awkward, annoying person around a table that just isn't eating enjoy yourself yeah you've only got one life right you've got to enjoy your friends and family another little tip as well is when when i'm out i mean my fitness pal is pretty good because when you're when you put it in whatever if you're let's say you're a pizza express my fitness pal actually has most of the food stored within my fitness pal so if you search for the meal that you're having it generally it tends to have it however if it's a chain if it's a chain however yes. if you go to a restaurant that isn't a chain and it doesn't recognize any of the foods that you're having you're having to guesstimate i'd always um, overestimate what you're yeah, having. Same so if, if I think something weighs 80 grams, but I'm not sure, I'd always round it up to, let's say, 100. I would I would always, yeah, over-assume that I've eaten yeah, more I, I think that's, than I have. Yeah, you should do that, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Yeah. I'd rather have made some overestimates than under, than yeah. under because then you're just going to get disappointed. Exactly. Um, but let's just bring this back to, you're talking about whether it was 80 or 100 grams. You can only have that judgment because you've, weighed yeah. and tracked long enough such that you can eyeball mm-hmm. a plate of food and roughly go Michelle's great at this now she'll 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 uh, you know speak to me during the day she said how many calories you got left for the, for the dinner and I'm like I've got a thousand calories or 900 mm-hmm. calories and she'll just knock stuff up and then I'll retrospectively put it into my net diary yeah and it's bang on like <laughs> she's just, just got she's computing it now she's like a computer okay she's he's allowed a 350 gram per potato i'm going to put you know one bit of tuna uh, one bit of um, salmon in there a couple of little bits and pieces she knows it's going to be a thousand calories it's great you need Imagine to take a michelle with you wherever you go <laughs> well we're <laughs> going never we're going on holiday them. for a month let's see if we can we can manage yeah eating out but for a month well it'll be, inter- be tough. yeah it'll be interesting to hear your how you got on 
on your holiday at the end of it because you're going away for what, four weeks here? for a month four yeah. Months. so yeah. be interesting to see what struggles you had well, and let's, how let's you see if I can manage this this micro process on a macro scale for practice a, what you preach right okay so that was number nine and number ten so the, the ten of ten is to keep busy yeah now this is a biggie for me um, I'm sure people have noticed that they can skip meals by accident when they've got time pressure or something that's demanding all of their attention whether it's work or they're busy picking up the kids or you know there's a there's an event they're going to whatever you can skip meals eat sometimes without realizing use that to your advantage we eat when we eat not because our body needs it we eat the way we eat because of society norms Mm-hmm. our habits and behaviours yeah. so we eat our dinner at the roughly the same time every night we eat our breakfast at roughly the same time and lunch at roughly the same time you don't need to have those meals as we've said in intermittent fasting mm-hmm. so if you can distract yourself you for me that's the biggie so when I intermittent fast I'm like okay I've got to keep busy yeah. what work can I do what difficult things can I get really creative on where can I really lean in on something and just be obsessed and have my blinkers on? Because as long as my head's down and I'm focused on something, yeah. whether it's a workout or it's you know work at the laptop or it's a phone call or it's going somewhere, I'm not thinking about food. But when I'm idle, yeah. I'm starving. And that, that for me frustrates me because I'd, I'd like to not be hungry mm-hmm. by choice. Yeah. But the reality is if I'm not busy, I will think about food. Yeah, because food is a big so thing. True. And I think if you're if you're someone that tends to ruin their um, diet when they come in from work and they're they're hungry and they that's when they grab the food that they're not supposed to that's high in calories just for dinner, let's say. Well, then maybe you you make yourself busy by going to the gym straight from work. Then you go to the gym and then you come home and dinner's ready, or you come home and you cook dinner. But it just it changes that time frame that you tend to go to that food and you want to just figure that time out when you're the weakest and go, right, I'm going to swap that for something that's going to keep me busy that's a good and take show. me out of routine. So you, You've said it a couple of times, Bryn, and I, I, I like, the way, like the way you go with this, which is um, anticipate failure. Yeah. Understand the failure paths that are, are likely. What are the things that are going to trip you up? anticipate them like a good question to ask yourself when you're dieting or you have a goal of any nature is anticipate failure yeah let's go a month two months or however long your kind of time period is and assume you failed yeah exactly what did you do wrong what things did you fuck up on Mm. i go okay i I fucked up on because i went out too many times and you know hadn't planned for those so i then just gorged on whatever's in front of me or you know yeah I, i hadn't hadn't planned for those difficult situations and yeah. I made the wrong decision in the moment. So I really like that idea, which is look through your life, your habits, your friends, your social setting, and look where it's likely to trip you up. Yeah. And anticipate that, assume it's gonna happen, and instead have a plan B or have an alternative that prevents you from making those decisions exactly. and mistakes. Not planning is planning to fail. There we go, Brim. (laughs) Cool. So that covers the top 10, but we do have two bonus ones for ladies only. So guys, don't disappear. I think it's worth you hearing this too, but they are specifically for the ladies in your life. (laughs) 
So uh, number 11 will be um, the menstrual cycle. Now, my wife, Michelle, um, put together an article specifically on uh, the lady's menstrual cycle, the four phases that are within, the impacts it has on your mood, your energy, your ability to train, but also your diet and the decisions you make when you are on. Mm. Um, but one thing she noted, which was staggering, I didn't realise the deviance was so high, is that you could add up, add on half a pound to up to 10 pounds mm. in that that last week of your menstrual cycle. That's insane. Yeah. So if you're 120 pounds, you could, you could balloon up to, theoretically, yeah. up to 130 pounds on the weighing scales. It is scary and I'm sure it can be very disheartening. The good news is it's not fat. Mm. It's water. It's just your know, water retention. That's all it is. Um, it's just the uh, the hormones and the changes in your body, and you're retaining water in anticipation you're gonna be pregnant. And it's it's a bit more complicated than that. Michelle's article goes into it on adaptation.io, but it happens. But it mm. every it happens for every woman. Everyone has to go through the same thing. It's not fat. You might feel bloated because there's you know it's situations yeah. internally, but you are not gaining fat. Immediately afterwards, as you're coming out of the that end of the cycle, you'll notice the weight drops off again. Yeah. It's incredibly important to be aware of this because this is where most people scrap it and throw their diet in the bin and go, ah, it's a waste of time, I'm not losing any weight, actually I put on weight, so why am I even doing this, why am I bothering? Exactly. So, be But it's, it's, it's not just the weight, it's the cravings, right? There are yeah. carb cravings and food cravings that occur at certain hormonal kind of levels that you know map towards your cycle. Again, if you read this article, you go, okay, I do that. I know when it's at this time of the month, yeah. you know, I yearn for chocolate and, you know, what's going on? Well, it's actually chem chemical, chemical changes in your body that are kind of forcing you to drive that. But if you know it's going to happen, again, how can you plan to make better decisions when you know this is going to reoccur every single month? Yeah, exactly. So that's on the menstrual cycle piece. And the last piece, point 12, was... Minimum calories for women. Mm. Now, I'm speaking from personal experience. Uh, my wife won't mind me saying this, but um, she has done an incredible job over the last few years, being a mother of two, um, busy, busy life, and losing the you know the baby fat and getting herself into the best shape of her life. She's in incredible shape right mm. now, but she went through a good period of that time. Um, finding what worked, which was abstaining. And abstaining and abstaining to maintain the level of loss per week or per month. To the point that she kept on amping up the, the movement, doing more and more cardio to try and um, stop the stagnation, right? Because she yeah. was, was petering out. Things weren't falling off anymore. So she was amping trying up the calories. More calories, yeah. And she was lowering her consumption. Now... She didn't fess up to me how little she was eating, but the reality was she wasn't eating much at all. She found a way of disassociating and having a kind of weird relationship with food where she didn't want for it anymore. Mm -hmm. And she would have maybe six to 800 calories a day. Wow. Yeah. And some women may do that. They may know they only have six to 800 calories or they may know they're that person who has a couple of digestive biscuits with their tea and then has you know some a, a rice cake at dinner, and that might be it for the day. Yeah. And they've just got through it. That is not good for you guys. Why is it not good? Well, 
for one, you need more calories. Mm -hmm. Your body needs more calories. So if it doesn't have, if your body gets insufficient calories, through time it starts to downregulate certain functions internally. It will, your thyroid will downregulate every organ in your body to slow down. So if women can sometimes feel really, really cold, really cold in the winter, or even cold in the summer, that's your thyroid is downregulating. Yeah. And it could be because you're not eating enough calories and your body's having to preserve its energy. Yeah. So you want to have a, the minimum viable calories to sustain life. Um, and for women, that's twelve to 1,400 calories. But on top of that, if you are under that number on a chronic basis, it's not just calories, it's nutrients. Yeah. The, new, the, the blend of minerals and vitamins and things that you need for your all the organs and your cells to be optimal and just live and survive is unsustained is not is not achievable with six to eight hundred calories. Yeah. Twelve to fourteen hundred calories should be your absolute floor. You shouldn't be looking to go dip under there. If you wanted to do it for a week or two, that's not the end of the world. But if you believe you need to be at six to eight hundred calories or a thousand calories a day to maintain your current physique or lose the weight you want, mm -hmm. you're misguided. I understand why it's happened, but you've now got to find a way to reverse your way out of what is yeah. effectively metabolic damage. You have, you have damaged your metabolism yeah. and you've downregulated all the functions in your body and you're not getting enough nutrients. And Michelle had some harrowing experiences where life caught up with her after being in that lower kind of malnourished state for a sustained period of time. She came down with shingles that's, she's still, you know, six, nine months afterwards, she's still exhibiting some of the symptoms mm -hmm. of shingles. She came down with a few colds. She felt really rough. She started getting depressed. It was, it was. system's not going to be strong, is it, when you're. It's paying you back yeah. for not respecting nature's need on a chronic basis. Yeah. So ladies, 12 to 1400 calories should be your absolute baseline. If you can get more and still be at a deficit, please do. Use your TDE, take off up to 20%, whatever that number is, don't feel the need to go lower. Do not go lower. Yeah, and, and if you are someone that's listening going, oh, that actually that could be me, then I would suggest finding out, like we said on the earlier podcast, um, go on to type in on Google TDEE, uh, which is your total daily energy expenditure and put in your details and figure out what your maintenance calories are and then I'd reverse diet back up to maintenance but I would do that slowly and gradually so I'd um, over the weeks I would add a couple hundred and I wouldn't just bump my calories back up to maintenance because that's just too quick we just need to slowly increase those calories get yourself back up there to get everything to upregulate again get your metabolism to upregulate then once you're at that place where you feel good again, energy's good, sleeping good, and actually you may even lose weight by doing that. You and I know it that. sounds very yeah. Um, it, it doesn't Backwards, make any doesn't, it? doesn't make any yeah. sense that hang on a minute. I'm I'm not losing any weight yeah. at the moment. I'm I'm only eating eight hundred calories. And again, from personal experience, the conversations that we needed to have for Michelle to accept that this was a problem and accept. Yeah. eating more calories it was it was like pulling teeth because she was so resistant to this idea of having more calories because in her mind 
If I eat more calories, Steve, and I'm going to put weight on, I've worked so fucking hard to get here. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to do is go mess it up by now listening to your advice. Yeah. I'm good here. But then once she started noticing some of these signals, her body telling her this is not good enough. Right. Yeah. And, you know, she, she got uh, diagnosed with hypothyroidism because her mm-hmm. thyroid got downregulated so much the body started attacking it. Then she's like, hang on a minute, I'm doing damage to myself. She mm-hmm. penny dropped. And then from there, she done exactly what you said. Took herself from 800 calories. She's now up to, I think, about fourteen to 1,500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. And she is still losing weight. Is she? Good. How, no, only as much as she needs, right? Yeah. It's not like as if she's got this desire to be, you know, stick thin. But, you know, where, where, where things ebb and flow, she's still working on that. But she's in such a healthier place. She's eating yeah. enough. She's getting the right nutrients. The, the worst case scenario of now ballooning didn't happen because she dealt with it respectfully. And she realised that if she ate more calories, their body would... The... Th- the um, uh, the furnace inside mm-hmm. starts to fire up high, higher and hotter. It's like you're chucking the wood on the fire and the exactly. fire starts to grow. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. That's what the metabolism yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes I've had clients that come to me and I, when I tell them to eat more calories, you can see the fear in their eyes and they're like, yes. I, I literally do not want to eat any more calories. And you can see the fear in them. But when you understand how our body works and how calories in versus calories out, how that works, it, it makes sense, right? So, the last point on this, and again, I don't want to come across like some insensitive male who clearly has never experienced being there, um, may not have body image issues that some of the ladies may have, um, and doesn't have the pressure to be, you know, small, right? A lot of women feel that there's this overwhelming pressure from society to be thin. So I, I get why um, being there feels like the right place to be and changing it feels like the worst thing you can do. I will say, if you eat at that kind of level and you've learned to disassociate yourself from food and ignore your body's need for food, I would actually say that you may you may have an eating disorder. At that point, when that relationship with food gets so distorted mm. there may be some there may be some discussion you need to have with someone to help you see food and the benefits of it differently because I can talk to one blue in the face about you should eat more food if your relationship with food is 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 now being distorted yeah this may mean nothing to you mm. and just have the courage to seek some counsel and have a discussion because eating disorders aren't just anorexia and um um, what are the ones where you, you, you throw Bulimic. up? Bulimic. Yeah. Those aren't just the only eating disorders. There's a whole spectrum of eating disorders. And really, an eating disorder is where you have an unhealthy relationship with food. And I would say you may have an unhealthy relationship yeah, with food yeah. if you're at six to 800 calories a day. Definitely. I think, um, and we mostly talk to women here about this because obviously we see this more in women than guys. Obviously, there are guys that are doing it also. There is. Yeah, um, that's true. But... Most guys tend to want to, their fear is not eating enough and they want to put more muscle and they want to put well, more muscle. I wouldn't say that's not everyone. Not everyone, no. but the, you get the majority of guys that it's the other way around, right? You, I see yeah. that a lot more than women are trying to. There's less guys that are anorexic and have bulimia and have yeah. like the kind of like. It's not know, as common, right? Full end of the spectrum kind of, kind of 
eating issues. Mm. But yeah, it does happen. Yeah. And to suggest this with a, a female-only issue is, is wrong of me, so thanks for correcting that. <laughs> okay, all right, we have covered the whole uh, three-part series now. I yeah. hope, guys, you've enjoyed the debate, the discussion, and hopefully the insights and uh, bits of knowledge. Um, as, I, as I may have alluded to before, this is actually a narrative of the three-part article we put together on our adaptnation.io blog, which has been receiving a lot of positive attention so do listen through to uh, the prior episodes to this to get a full ground in and hear the back and forth debate, but then reference back to the articles, which are, you know, things to keep and things to review in your own time, just to reinforce those points. Um, okay, so Bryn, thank you for giving us your time and attention over the last two and a half, three hours of this discussion. Thanks for having me on again. And Guys, we're all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help improve and optimise your strength health and mindset inside and out. Thank you. Thanks, guys. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.